Okay, welcome to the second Wet Bandits podcast. We're recording live. Well, I guess you're not listening to this live, but we are live here at Signatures in Gehanna, uh, a spot that we've played before. Uh, it is a lovely little establishment with one of our favorite owners. The only owner that I've worked with when uh, the Wet Bandits come to play, who, when we ask him, when do we start, Tim says, I don't care, whenever you want, which is great for us. We, we love that flexibility, and hopefully we treat them well here. But that's the background noise you hear, is there, there's an actual restaurant happening. So our, if our waitress comes over and asks us for stuff, well, we're going to talk to her, even though we're recording something, because it's just rude to ignore people. The Wet Bandits podcast, of course, is a part of the Wet Bandits band. We're a 90s cover band located in Columbus, Ohio. You can find us at wetbanditsband.com, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the Wet Bandits Band handle. I'm sorry, not the Wet Bandits Band, just Wet Bandits Band. That's the handle for all the social media pages, and those are the pages where you will find this podcast as well. So it's all the same brand. Again, it's Wet Bandits Band. Let's get going. Episode 2 of the Wet Bandits Podcast, uh, we have... The guest today is Sam, drummer from the from the Wet Bandits. So we have forty percent of the whole band here today. Sam, say hello to the people. Mike, how's it going? It's fantastic. We've been waiting on this. We have two shots sitting in front of us, which is something the Wet Bandits do. Not in a glass. Not like I love you signatures, but this isn't going to be a classy cheers clink. It's going to be more of a clink. Yeah, clink. We made the clink sound. So here goes. tasty uh so professional <laughs> this is kind of a big shot for me okay but it was tasty so like we always do we want to talk about our musical lives a little bit like i said sam's the drummer for the wet bandits uh sam just took a trip to nashville and rocked out a lot so i i was hoping you could kind of tell me and we haven't talked about this at all i wanted this to all be fresh and new to me so sam tell me about the nashville trip it was rocking man um the rocking started immediately when I got in the car and started the engine. I, uh, As I'm know. sure it always does with you. Oh, yeah. I yeah. <laughs> took some Zeppelin. We took some. Did uh, you go down? I thought you went down by yourself. Oh, no. I took my uh, buddy, uh, Brennan Rolander. Oh, yes. Bird, if you're listening. Hell, yeah. <laughs> Stay out of any trouble, Brennan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we we made it out in Nashville. Uh, stayed at my buddy Angus's house. Angus, friend of the band. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we ended up getting our um, kind of a rehearsal space. Rocked out for three hours straight. A lot of sweat going on. A lot of drumsticks breaking. You know, it was, uh, Wh- what's your Instagram? Your personal one? Oh, Slam B Twelve. Slam B. Are there two M's? There's two M's. Slam B12. I saw the videos you put on oh, Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, those were, were you only, were those all like original? I don't yeah, know. I don't know how else to say this. Original jams? Original jams. <laughs> man. You guys were, I can see where the sweat would work yeah, in there. Yeah. What's Brennan doing while you guys are oh, rocking? He's out? drinking. <laughs> he's just sitting in there <laughs> drinking. That's cool. He, he did uh, pick up some bass riffs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. good. Yeah, good for him. Is it Angus's bass he's playing? Yeah, yeah. And you said you picked up a rehearsal space. Did you pick one up specifically, like there? Or does Angus have one he rents out already? You know, he knows a guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> did you have to pay him? Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. We had that's kind of lame yeah. if he knows him. Yeah, Such is life. Yeah, right. I guess that's what like mercenary musicians are in Nashville, kind of though. Like that's how they make their money, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess. Um, so, did you put? Did, did you go along the strip at all? Is that something you guys do when you go down there? Or? Oh, we went down the strip, man. Yeah, like Broadway. Yeah, like the country yeah, one strip. Night and then another night, I think we went down Midtown. Did you ever try to go play with anybody there? Sometimes they let you. I meant to like try to tip a guy twenty bucks. (laughs) Yeah. And then he just said no. (laughs) (laughs) Did he take your twenty? No. That's good. (laughs) That's too bad. I mean some some of those bands are cool. Do you remember where you went? There was actually a pretty good band uh, at a place called The Stage. Oh yeah. They kinda drifted away from the whole country scene and played uh, some more southern rock. Yeah. A couple CCR jams that were pretty good. 
Yeah. You know, How many uh, more traditional country places did you go to? Any? Yeah, yeah. Um, some big, some small. Just Yeah. Um, the reason I ask is because when I, I used to, I lived down there for a little bit and played a, played a little bit of music, but every band, at least in the evening, every band played basically the same set. Like, you knew you were going to hear, uh, the, uh, not the Otis Redding version, but the Black Crows version of Hard to Handle. Oh, of you course, were going to yeah. hear uh, Dixieland Delight, uh-huh. obviously Sweet Home Alabama. So it was all like the same, they all recite. And part of that is, again, going with the mercenary musician thing, like a lot of them trade players and stuff, so it's either when they all know the same songs. But I'll tell you what, man, um, something I do like is um, Merle Haggard. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Like what? Uh, what's it? Oki and Muskoki? I, I don't even You're know asking the wrong person. Yeah, yeah. The only Merle Haggard song I know is There Ain't No Road Too Long, yeah. which is a song he sang with Big Bird in <laughs> the movie Follow That Bird. Yeah, some country. Well, there ain't no road too long. It's a good tune. You should check that out. I'm sure it's on YouTube. I'll have to, but yeah. I'm sorry. I apologize if I pronounce that name wrong. I uh, understand that. Nobody's song. judging okay. here. This is only episode two. We probably have like seven downloads, yeah. and two of them are my parents. <laughs> so, um, so let's talk about the Wet Bandits. Uh, we will normally have guests here. I mean, who knows how this is going to pan out, but. The vision is to have guests that aren't in the Wet Bandits all the time, so we won't be talking about ourselves very much. But Sam's a little unique in that he—he's the—he's the baby bandit. He's the youngest of the wow. bandits, and it—and <laughs> and it's kind of by a significant margin. And we've been together almost five years now. It's crazy, and man. it is crazy. Uh, I'm sure as you as we have other Columbus musicians on, it will flesh out how crazy it is that the Wet Bandits have had the same lineup for almost five years. Five years ago, you were 19 years old. 19, man. So, I basically, I just want to ask, and I think we've talked about it before, but I I do need a refresher. But I also just want people to know, like, what's it like being someone who's auditioning for a band with people who are, some would say, much older, and you're not old enough to drink at the bars you're going to play. Right. Yeah, man. Um, so I got the three songs, man. Possum Kingdom, Suck My Kiss, and uh, Vaseline. We thought really hard about what yeah. songs we were going to audition. And, and I, I really like the songs, man, but I practice in my parents' basement for hours make sure... My T's were crossed, my eyes were dotted. Yes. So. Right, which is uh, a note to any aspiring musicians who want to join bands. The best thing you can do to get hired in a, you know, a Craigslist cover band or an original band is to, oh my God, show up prepared. We auditioned. We Sam was actually the first audition we had, and we kind of knew. Like that might be it. Like once he was done, we were like, okay, that that could probably be the one. But we auditioned the other guys who were scheduled that day, and most of them had not listened to any of the three songs we talked about. Like that, that's it's not just that you didn't study for the test because some people you can tell are good players, but being prepared to play with a band is like the most important thing right, you can right. do. So, especially as a drummer. You know, right. you're, you're the foundation. Right. You got to make the drummer. Right, the drummer really controls most everything about the song. It, so, when these other guys showed up not prepared, let's say they were great. Let's say they were technically fantastic drummers. They didn't stand a chance anyway because they weren't ready. They right. wanted to listen to the song so they could figure out what it was and then play it right then and there. It doesn't work. But it more. Did you ever feel like when we started playing gigs and stuff? Did you ever feel like it was awkward for you because? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's really kind of um, looking at the other players rather than looking at myself, seeing what the experienced players, what they had to say about you know everything, dynamics, volume, attitude, all those things. And I, you know, at the beginning, it's really kind of hard to focus on where my spot was and understanding just how an actual band functions because it's um, one thing to jam in your basement with some buddies it's a total different thing to be on a stage with pros and you got 
people reacting to your music. Right. And and we are we are definitely hashtag blessed that and I'm not kissing your butt no. on on podcast here. <laughs> not on radio on podcast. But you, you, there there are some people and I think this is partly why we have the same lineup. There's egos everywhere. But you you really from day one have had like no ego and you were very clear about that. Mm. I remember you telling me, like, I don't take personal anything personal. Which is so important because we had all these old guys who thought we who think not just not past tense, mm. present tense, <clears throat> think that we know the right way to do things sometimes and you have always like been open about you wanted to you wanted to learn things. And and frankly, sometimes, you know, I know that we all get frustrated. Right, right. And and so, you know, sometimes and I, I think you've come around to the point where you're like, Okay, I know what I'm doing now. Like I don't need the Right. It, so you're trying your own thing too. But it that that for me, if I had been in your position, would have been a, a tough thing to do. To to kind of get criticized all the yeah, time I mean, for what you're doing when you're trying your best to do what you think we wanted you to do. Right, right. Yeah, to me, I think it's the drummer's responsibility to kind of check in, make sure how everybody feels, you know, because you yeah. are the feel of the band. Right. It's really important. For sure. Make sure everybody feels good, otherwise things don't work. Right. The musical fusion. Right. Well, not. Right. Uh, when I was in my first, when I first was in a band that made music, like I, I made music, made money, I mean, uh, I, you know, I had bands in high school and college, but we didn't ever play for money. But once I got in bands that made money, the first band I was in, I was the youngest. And I wasn't 19, but I was 25 or something, and everybody else was 35 or older. And it was kind of a similar situation, you know. I was very green. I didn't have experience with minimum pay, you right. know, like, oh, you're getting paid $80 every gig no matter what. And so that was different. Um, but I remember sort of just I guess the, the best way to say it would be like submitting to end whatever they wanted me right. to do which and and our bass player Jeff was in that band and I've played with Jeff ever since in practically every band I've been in and he uh, frankly I kind of I was just an acoustic guitar player. I wasn't meant to drive the song like a drummer, so it was totally different. They really were complimentary of me most of the time, but I can still sort of relate in that literally I had no input. Right. Everything that I did, they told me to do, and I just did what they told me, and I was fine with that. Like mm -hmm. It was fun, and the band was killer. That band was killer. Oh, yeah. uh, the singer was fine, um, but the band was killer. Frankly, the Wet Bandits have been the only band since then that has kind of stacked up. But my point just being, I, I, can, I can relate to being the young person in the band yeah. and kind of yeah. not I mean, having to listen to what they tell you and not having really any input. But it's different for you because you drive the song. It's getting to the point where you have to have more input. Right, right, right. right. Which you definitely do. And, and, and it's making the band better, obviously, so... The Wet Bandits, man. Right. Always expanding. Always. Always expanding, you know. And and sometimes we, we're busier than other times, and we can't. Those those poor Fandits who come out to all our shows and hear the same set list every, you know, every week for the last 15 months. We we do have some new things in store. We do. Hopefully. We're oh, working. Yeah. Oh, you're fine. No, a waitress just came over. Do you want to say hello? Doing okay over here? We're doing just fine. My beer is really full. How's yours, Sam? It's pretty full. Who am I saying hello to? You're saying hello to fan say hello to all the bandits. The bandits? Uh -huh. Hi bandits. What's your name? My name is Rachel. That's Rachel from Signatures saying hi to the bandits. I'm she was a good sport. <laughs> I think she thought maybe we were like live talking to people. But that's cool, you know. Yeah. We didn't explain to her. No. She came in after the yeah, fact. Yeah. What were we saying? Oh, we're, bandits, you man. know what? I was about to seamlessly transition into new songs that we're learning. Oh. So we don't do a lot of metal. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do a lot of metal. But one day, Josh texted us out of the blue and said, I, I'm sure Josh was. Josh is the singer of the Wet Bandits, and I am sure he was hammered drunk. Had to be. He was at a bar, and he said, we have to learn Enter Sandman. 
And then Sam, when he picked up his phone, I he didn't tell me this. I just know this happened. He picked up his phone and then had to change his underwear. I did. I twice. <laughs> <laughs> I put him on. I put a clean pair back on. I was like, damn it. <laughs> Metallica's Sam's favorite band. Oh, oh yeah. I love me some Metallica, man. I'll How? tell you what. Uh, Go ahead. I saw Metallica front row, and it... Uh, How, re- How recently? I saw Rock on the Range last year. Mm. Lars Ulrich looked at me straight in the eye, and he almost threw me a drumstick. <laughs> and I'm not just saying that. He really did. <laughs> he looked you right in the eye and almost threw you yeah. a drumstick. Might as, might as well say he almost looked me right in the right. eye, and he didn't yeah. throw me a drumstick. <laughs> that's right. No, I mean, I guess. Yeah, that's cool, man. But I did get a pick, though. A pick, like, of him? No, like a guitar pick. Oh, guitar pick. Yeah, I thought yeah. you meant you snapped oh, yeah, a photo yeah. with your phone, which I was also going to make fun yeah, of. Like, yeah. who cares? <laughs> so did, like, 10,000 other people. Uh, that's pretty cool. And also, this... Show, again, showing our age difference here. When you said front row, I'm thinking of like an indoor, you know, oh, arena, yeah. uh-huh. and you're sitting in a chair. Oh in no! The front row. <laughs> no, this was. Uh, I right, did you it. had to fight your way to I the front. Fi- oh, I had to fight, man. Right, with fight. all that WT, with all that WT at Rock on the Range. <laughs> Dude, there was people crowd surfing everywhere. I yeah, they still crowd surf there. Yeah. Does security try to stop that at Rock no, on the Range at I don't all? think you can. The yeah, wave is just no, too strong. That's true. That was a yeah. dumb question. Dumb question. No follow-up <laughs> to that. That was too stupid. So I, I do want to ask you kind of, you know, we're finally going to do a song by your favorite band. And let's make a note. We still don't do any Alice in Chains right. songs, which is my favorite band. But, I, you know, I that's partly my doing. If I threw my weight around, we'd be doing an Alice right. in Chains yep. song. But they're too heavy mm-hmm. for what we do. And in some ways... They, they got some tasty stuff. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in some ways, Metallica's too heavy for what we do, but it's perfect for an encore. I yeah. think Josh has a good idea there. Yeah. Um, and some venues will love it anyway. But Enter Sandman's so well-known. Like, it's going to it's gonna hit. Plays everywhere. But my question for you is, where does Enter Sandman ra- rank as far as Metallica songs for you? I mean, it has to rank up there. Does it? As much as I don't listen to it, you know, if you listen <laughs> yeah. to the Black Album, sure. you automatically skip number one because <laughs> it sometimes I even skip number two because it's sad but true. Right. You know, because right. I've listened holier to those songs. Holier than now. Holier than now. Now will, that. Will, will you some, be impressed if I can go through the track listing? Number four. Unforgiven. Number five. Don't tell me. Hold on. Uh, I know this one. It's um, Wherever I May Roam. Is it? I can't remember. You don't even know? Number six, Don't Tread on Me. No, I think Num- I know number seven. Number seven, Don't Tell Me, is... Shoot. What's number seven? I don't know. It's either Nothing Else Matters or no, Through the Never. No, Nothing Else Matters is eight. Okay. So Through the Never is seven. Nine of Wolf and Man. Yep. This is fun for the listeners. Don't Tread on Me. Don't Tread on Me is six. Oh, is I it? I already said oh. that one. Ten is... My Friend Misery, maybe? I think that's 11. Oh, yeah, you're right. Ooh. I'm good at this. The Guy That Failed is number 10. Ah, follow the guy that failed. And then number 12 is one of my favorites is The Struggle Within. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that was a fun game. Yeah. I like that one. Okay, so... Did you have anything else you wanted to say about Metallica before we get into the album? I just want to say, Lars, if you're listening, man. Um, <laughs> I know, seriously. Just come on the show. <laughs> yeah, just... I mean, what else are you doing? You guys played... You guys were active in the 90s. Yeah. You still have a lot of bad pub for that whole Napster biz. Dude, I support you 100%, I'm Lars. just kidding. I'm just kidding with you, man. Just come on the show, okay? <laughs> we're going to at you on Twitter after Please? this. It Just don't look at my Twitter, uh, my Twitter history... Where I said that Eleven from Stranger Things when she went all goth basically looked just like you from the Load <laughs> album. But seriously, she did. Anyway, so this, this week's album, every podcast we talk about an album, usually from my record collection, which eventually will get embarrassing. But they're just randomly chosen, sometimes by fandits, sometimes 
if no fandits recommend anything, I just kind of like spin around in my bedroom with my finger pointed out, and whatever I land on, that's what we're going to review. That spin around technique got us to Foo Fighters' Color and Shape, which is not embarrassing. No. It's the Foo Fighters' second album, 1997. The first album that had a band to go with the album. The, right, the right. The Foo Fighters' debut was mostly just a demo, or it was intended to be a demo that Dave Grohl recorded every instrument for. So it was a Dave Grohl solo album. Right. He did play drums, I think, on most of the tracks. On, on the Color and Shape? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's talk about that for a second. Because you're right, he yeah. did. In what I would consider... Now, if there are children listening, parents put your hands <laughs> over their ears. A bit of a dick move from Dave Grohl. I don't know. It sounds Do you know any of the backstory on this? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I think I read something. You're the drummer. You talk uh, about it. It didn't sound, quote-unquote, powerful enough. <laughs> what do you mean by that? It just uh Oh, you mean he said the drums yeah, didn't sound powerful yeah, yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah. Um yes, I heard that too. What he had th- this album was Dave Grohl and Pat Smear and then two members from Sunny Day Real Estate, uh Nate Mendel on bass, who's still in the band, and William Goldsmith, who was the drummer. And Sunny Day Real Estate had a lot of street cred from sub pop. And and their first album, Diary, was like a major like college radio hit, but it it's not as mainstream radio friendly as Foo Fighters was. But my point being, like these are guys who can play. William Goldsmith is not a bum, and they recorded these mm-hmm. th- when they he's recorded Color. Yeah. yeah, he's a he's a good drummer. They recorded Color and Shape, and then Dave Grohl went back and re-recorded yeah. everything. And and the worst part of it is. He told Goldsmith, I'm just doing overdubs. But he was actually re-recording oh, really? everything. And Goldsmith got his feelings hurt, and he basically just quit. Mm. And, and since then, William Goldsmith has kind of said, like, I wish I'd handled things differently. But frankly, Dave Grohl should have handled things differently. Don't you? I mean... Uh, I mean, it's his record, man. That's what... Well, that's fine, but that's fine. I, I, I suppose lo- that, yeah... It, you you can look at it both ways, like. I, but I think if Dave Grohl wasn't such a affable, likable guy, if if Dave, if Lars Ulrich pulled that kind of crap, people would would be not as quick to forgive him for that. Like it, it is. A, I mean, think of a, if we recorded a record. I'm put you in that yeah, position. Yeah, right. I was like, about to say like that. Like yeah. you're playing drums, and then we're like, you know, Sam's a good drummer, but like. I've got a better one right, who right. can just, we can overdub. We'll tell him we overdub it. Then we just right. actually re-record everything. Right. That's pretty lame. Yeah. So I, I actually was, the, the notes I read was that William Goldsmith played drums on the first track, Doll. That's what I heard too, yeah. Which hardly has any uh-huh. drums in it. It's like the opening track that's a throwaway. And then also on Up in Arms. Mm. That's what I read. But if you go in the liner notes, it specifies that William Goldsmith played on Doll, like we said. And then it says up in arms and in parentheses slow. Oh, because so up in arms slow, yeah, has yeah. a very slow beginning and then starts to rock out yeah. later. And there's so what they're saying <laughs> is we're not even going to give him credit for the whole song. Just so you know, Dave Grohl played all the drums that matter. Anything that's just like barely any drums at all, uh-huh. he played that. Like, just leave him off the whole thing. Like, that's even worse than, than just saying, like, leaving him off the whole thing is better than saying, oh, yeah, he played on this song that has no drums, and he played on half this song, the part before the drums came in. Don't you think? Yeah. <laughs> it's hard for I, you to I disagree. I don't know, man. Yeah, it's just, I'm just <laughs> such a huge Dave Grohl fan, man. Yeah. You know. Now, are you a Dave Grohl the drummer fan or Dave Grohl I'm the guy fan? Dave Grohl the rock star fan. Yeah, yeah. You know? He's done so much musical work. Yes. Or, and I'm a big fan of them, Crooked Vultures, Foo Fighters, oh, right. and, of course, Nirvana. The D. Oh, yeah. Don't oh, forget. Yeah. The D. Jack Black, if you're listening. Hell oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Come on the show. KG, KG, you signed my guitar years right, and years yeah. ago. Just come on the show. I like how this is devolving into <laughs> just like, let's just see how, <laughs> yeah. how many famous people we can mention and get on the show. That's This is going to work, I think. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So... We've already touched on a couple things that I wanted to go through, but let's let's talk about 
no, you're you're younger, obviously. I was born so, in '94. And okay, so you were three years old when this came out. <laughs> so, what years. are your memories of the music video for Monkey Wrench? Uh, I don't. You don't have, have any. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so when I 1997, I was 16. So this is right. You know, I'm starting to drive. Yeah. You know, um, and. I had the the first Foo Fighters album that yeah. was really hyped up, and honestly, I didn't love it. I like it more now than I did then. On so, it's season, so what was that like when that kind of debuted? You know, it the debut felt kind of like you might expect it to feel, and I mean that unfortunately in a bad way. Like even though naming the band Foo Fighters and trying to keep himself separate from Nirvana. Everyone knew that this was the Nirvana drummer's album. Right. It wasn't a secret. And and honestly, that album doesn't sell if he's not Nirvana's drummer. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's not a fact, but it's an opinion that a lot of people, I think, would agree with. And so, but Color and Shape is a lot more polished, and that's not an accident. Mm-hmm. They brought on a producer to do uh, Gil Norton, who had done Pixies albums. Okay. And so it's a lot more pop friendly and and apparently leading up to color and shape uh there was a lot of rumbling that this was going to be a grunge album because the original Foo Fighters album was grungier I wouldn't call it a grunge album either no but but it was definitely dirty and a lot of white noise kind of stuff right and this one's much more polished Mm -hmm. and that and that was they just wanted to make a straight ahead rock record yeah I think like album yeah uh I, I'm curious, kind of what, um, kind of what, and we'll get to it later, like how you rate this album. But there are some opinions I've read about this album, and in, in doing a little uh, prep for this show, they kind of say like this is a seminal rock album of 1990. What Sam just pointed up at Dude, the sky. This is a good. Album when I got my wisdom teeth out. Yeah. this is the album I listened to. Really? See, that's a cool story. I got all four teeth out, man. And as like, I don't know. I kind of just put on shuffle and New Way Home was playing, and it took me to outer space. Just that building that song. So, just... so I don't know if I talked about this in episode one, but I, I I'm a distance runner. I've been running track and cross country for, gosh, over 20 years now. Uh, road racing now that I'm too old to be on a track or cross country team but when you, you gotta get jacked up you gotta listen yeah, to some sweet yeah. tunes and there are very select uh, you know 30 songs that I will get jacked up to and New Way Home oh, is dude. definitely one of those like it's just, a, just run through a yeah, effing wall right. you know sweet tune um, Let's let's get into the specific songs a little bit because I do want to talk. I don't want to go song by song because, well, I don't know. I don't want to show my hand too much. But let, let's. Uh, I already alluded to "Doll" is a throwaway song. We're not going to talk about mm-hmm. "Doll." It's it, it's confusing to me that they start the record. I, I kind of like that. I think um, looking at the Foo Fighters collection now they kind of start out with songs like that do they uh concrete uh, and gold they have a song called t-shirt which is kind of the same um, yeah full disclosure i stopped buying foo fighters albums uh with really all all for one i have in your honor but mm-hmm. i kind of split it with a guy and i've literally never put it in my cd player so i don't know what album you're talking about uh, it's it's their newest one i'll take your yeah, word for yeah. it you know what? There is a. We're not getting into this now, but there is a cool song and something about neighbors. Is that oh, a my song? Skies the, and, or the yeah, skies, skies and neighborhood. Yeah. That's right. That's a cool song. Yeah, I yeah. like that song. But anyway, so rather than go through every song by song, we'll probably end up talking about most of them. But I, I sent you a task. I wanted you to know your favorite song from the album, the least favorite song from the album, and what we would consider on this show to be hidden gems. Hidden gems are songs that are not singles, uh, or were not released as singles, I should say. So for for this album, the songs that were released as singles were Monkey Wrench, the first single. Don't Everlong. Everything that ever feel is real forever. 
my hero. And then Walking After You was also a single from this album. So for those, there are people out there, I forget this sometimes, there are people out there who have no idea what singles they know came from I what mean, album. I don't because I was three. Right, exactly. So you hear these things on the radio, <laughs> and until you buy the album, you never know what album they come yeah. from. So from Color and Shape, Foo Fighters released Monkey Wrench, Everlong, My Hero, and uh, Walking After You. So we are not considering those for Hidden Gem. Do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first for favorite tune? Are we in including the bonus tracks? Sam, let's talk about this. <laughs> Sam has the the later release. Uh, I don't know if it's a remaster, like a 20-year anniversary yeah, remaster. Sure. Um, there was a remaster re-release of this album that has bonus tracks on it. And I think for the purposes of this show, we should allow you to, to, uh, have to, to use the bonus tracks. So... There are six bonus tracks. Are they all originals? Yeah. All yeah. right. Well, except for uh, Baker Street. I was going to say, yeah. I saw this one called Baker Street, and I was like, hmm, yeah. I wonder if that's <laughs> the Baker Street. Okay. The Baker so Street. I haven't listened to this at all. Um, so, so are you telling me your favorite song is one of the bonus tracks? It is. Okay, what is it? The Color and the Shape, man. All right. The, color, the named for the album. Here comes a sneeze, guys. We don't have mute buttons on here, so... Uh, there it is, and I'm back. So, why do you love Color and Shape so much? Dude, that song it is just a jam, dude. You know what? Let's let's stop for a second and play that for the people. Tasty. So tasty. <laughs> okay, so what do you what what about this song do you like well, so much? It just starts out, you know, feedback. Dude, it comes it, right at you. Yeah, and then I'm just a fan for punk and metal, and you know, that's my go-to. When I had never heard that song before, but we listened to this in what I would call pre-production, which I would also call when we were eating pizza here <laughs> yeah. at Signatures before we recorded, and. As soon as I heard it, I was like, well, obviously, I know why you like this. Like, it is, I can see your hair flying yeah, in the air, yeah. sweat all over the place as you play that song. Yeah. The that, drums are incredible. It's crazy. Yeah. That's a crazy, and it's cool. I yeah. do like that song, but I can also see why it didn't make the album. Um, not because it's not good, but again, in prep, um, this album is set up specifically to be like his uh, breakup story with his first wife. Mm -hmm. And, and so it's supposed to sort of mimic the ups and downs of a relationship. So if you look through the, uh, if you look through the track list, it kind of alternates the softer yeah, songs, yeah. at least the songs yeah. with the softer beginnings with the more hard rockers. And nothing on this album rocks as hard as Dude, Color and the Shape. It rocks, man. Like, like New Way Home, we just talked about how it, like, it comes in like really hard at the end. But yeah. even, that, even that song is not as much noise as col color and shape is a lot of noise. I mean, that, like, like uh, I don't know what you call it, breakdown or bridge. Yeah, bridge. I, I don't know, interlude yeah. maybe. 
But that is not a pop song. Yeah. Like that is a like metal, like punk metal song. Dude, um, I kind of have like a small story about the color and shape. Um, Hit me with it. When I was, I think, a junior or senior at Ohio State, I went to go pick up or take my roommates to class just because I was a nice guy. You are a nice yeah. guy. And uh, I would just blast that song out on campus, and people looked at me like, what the hell is this guy doing? <laughs> and, I, and I did it on more than one occasion, you know? Yeah. My, my roommates would get in the car, and they'd be like, dude, are you serious? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> it's just a good song, and I yeah. just wanted the rock to just like spread through the campus, and everybody just started rocking out, man. Right, but it is definitely not like a like a hungover on oh, it is. on Friday morning. It is. <laughs> You're wrong. It is okay. <laughs> um, so I, I'll do my favorite now. My my favorite is Hey Johnny Park. Oh yeah. Hey So we'll play that intro for you here in a second. Um, but from day one, that's been my favorite song. You know, when we, when we decide what albums we're gonna go through, I'm always re-listening to them, of course, just a refresher course. And it's still, to me, it's the most hooky on the album. It's the most uh, unique, yeah, I guess. It's like, kind of diverse in yeah, a way. You know. Yeah. Um, and it just has one part. When it goes through the second, or I'm sorry, the last, uh, before the last chorus of the song, it the hook, they just change just a little bit. I'm going to oh, play okay. it right. I'm going to play both, actually. We'll play the original intro and then the, the second one that changes a little bit right here. Okay, so whether or not, hopefully, you know, in in time right here, we can't re-listen to it because we have a job to do. But if you missed it, you can rewind it and listen to it again. But the second, uh, the second version of that is uh, is just slightly different in the chord progression. It totally changes the feel for me and makes the song unique. So, um, I've just I've just always liked that song the best. I don't really have. And I'll show my hand a little bit here about this album. To me, this album is just kind of like, it's very middle of the road for me. I don't love it. It's not, I, don't, I think it's a little overrated. Mm -hmm. And so, like, really, my favorite song on the album is just the one that I feel like doesn't sound just like all the other ones, which is kind of a lazy thing to say about any rock record. But there's not, the Foo Fighters definitely have a sound. And that sound is like in full effect on this record. You know, open strings all the time, f all six strings on the guitar being played, you know, strumming on every single, you know, one and. There's not a lot of empty space. There's not a lot of like room to breathe, which I usually, it's, it's not a punchy album. It's a loud album. Well, I think on another one of my favorite songs, My Poor Brain, is, I like that song too. Yeah, um, Dave Grohl. I mean, or whoever's playing the guitar parts. You know, you have like the quarter notes that bump, bump, bump. Yeah. And then you kind of have like the palm mute that's like taking up the space between the quarter notes. Dude, okay, I'm gonna play this part too. Yeah. Okay, so the part that I just played there, I, w I was listening to it while I was running today, and I wanted to bring it up to you. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if the, I don't. I hate to steal your thunder. 
in fact, finish what you were going to say, and then I'll tell you what no, I was going to say. I just think say. he kind of writes songs like he plays drums in a way. Yes, yeah. which I love. Like, I love drums. That's yeah. the other part that I, I should. I like drums, man. I should like Foo Fighters better than I do. But I feel like Dave Grohl for Foo Fighters likes to have the guitars farther out front and kind of buries the drums too much. Like, I want more drums. Mm. And that's the cool part about my poor brain. Exactly what you're saying. It's got that, like we just played the bam, bam, bam. And then that part stops. You hear a little bit of feedback, and then the snare hits again, yeah. and it's all in rhythm. It's like and then it all—it's like all in time, and that feedback is like just perfect. Yeah, I think the the drums in that chorus, yes, right. Like that is one of the cooler songs, yeah. and and the the reason I don't. The reason I put Hey Johnny Park ahead of it, because my poor brain is probably my second favorite, mm, okay. but it's just like, it's Dave Grohl screaming to me. Dude, I love it, man. I, it goes, it, to me, it's a little bit much. Not because I, I can't take screaming, but it's like, on this album, Dave Grohl has two volumes, Super Scream and Super Whisper. <laughs> and... <laughs> That's all he does. The whole record. There's no in between. So, I don't know. It gets it gets a little monotonous, I guess, for me. Dude, hit me with your least favorite. Do you even ha can you even name one? I don't one? even know, man. You love this album so much. Probably. You don't I mean, Dave Grohl, if you're listening, one, you should just come on the show. Dave Grohl, just come on the show. You're not doing anything. When was you already released your last record? You need a break from writing. We're just going to take a quick moment to foreshadow Sam and my least favorite song from The Color and the Shape here in the background while I give a quick word from our sponsor, Mercury Mile. Mercury Mile is an online running apparel company. You log on to the site and fill out a runner profile. Once you fill out your profile, you then specify a ship date for your apparel box, and then Mercury Mile assigns you a stylist, and that stylist personally curates a box of running apparel based on the preferences you filled out in your profile. So you're working together with the stylist essentially, and this is not a subscription service. Like I mentioned, you select a shipment date. So Mercury Mile ships you the box on the date you selected. You get the stuff delivered to your door, you try it on at home, you keep what you love, send back anything you don't love. Obviously, you're only charged for what you keep. It's great stuff. I got a box for myself. I love all of it. Uh, any avid runner or beginner looking to get their get themselves decked out in the sweetest, latest running apparel, this is a really cool thing. So check them out, mercurymile.com. Use the promo code GETWET, that's G-E-T-W-E-T, -E -E for $10 off your stylist fee. Again, that's mercurymile.com. Oh, least favorite song. Yeah, so we're back. We had, to, we had a little talk with uh, our waitress there. And while we were doing that, Space Station number 5 from Montrose came on over here. Do you know who sings this? No. Sammy Hagar, my man. Oh, okay. Sammy Hagar is my dude. Sammy. I know we just invited Dave, but I would take you in a second over Dave Grohl. You're my hero. So uh, now you have to name your least favorite song. Yeah, well, as I was saying, you know, the album's so great. I hate to diss on a song. It's but not if that I good, man. To, it's not that good. It'd probably just be See You, man. Obviously, because that song eight. sucks. <laughs> <laughs> that song sucks. That's my least favorite, too. Clearly. Why do you hate that song? Why do you want to tell Dave Grohl to shove it because you ruined this album with See You? It's just uh, not rock enough for me. Right. You know. Okay, I can expand on that a little for you because I have a lot of thoughts on my hatred of See You. Did you know that this is Dave Grohl's favorite song from the album? Really? Now, he, maybe it's not now, but yeah. at one point he said, this is my favorite song from oh, the album. I did not Everyone else in the band didn't want it on the album because it's a piece of crap mm -hmm. all right my problem with see you is that it, it it's clearly uh, okay i don't want to say that i know dave girls motivations for writing a song and yeah. um, but but it comes off to me as a song that's supposed to be like artsy you know I it's got that like resonator yeah. guitar in it and it's mm -hmm. like a little like 
folky sounding, but it's also right. kind of a little bit like jazzy, like he's using some weird chords and stuff. But it is still just like a basic crap song. And it... I mean, it is like two and a half minutes. Right. Too. So thankfully, it's mercifully short, but it is not good. It's it's just a throwaway. It's worse than Doll, though, because at least Doll has it's like, like an intro introduction. Exactly. It's an introduction. It has a little change. You know, it starts with his voice with the telephone distortion, and then it builds a little bit. See you is just this piece of crap that's there to like sound intellectual. And it's not. It's pablum. Like, it is... I. Yeah, yeah. I clearly, know. I'm not a fan. <laughs> clearly. Um, it's the worst of what can sometimes on this album be trite, I think. I'm hating pretty hard right now. Okay. It could be the beer talking. I, I'm honestly not a big fan of My Hero. No, same. Yeah. Same. I think My Hero's boring. Yeah. And, frankly, Everlong is like not high on my list of Foo Fighters songs. You know, I am a drummer, but I also do kind of play guitar. And I do... You play guitar well playing, for a drummer. Playing Everlong as a drummer, you can like... It feels good to play. Everlong's a better song yeah. than... I'm just saying like... It's David Letterman's favorite song. <laughs> like, Dave, come on, man. There were better songs out there than Everlong. Um... But the chorus melody is good, and it, yeah, it, it yeah. does have some cool like fills and stuff. Uh -huh. But does it ever feel to you sort of like All Apologies, how it's like, I'm going to have this chorus with a little break in it where they have drum fills, right. and then they're going to do more you know, guitar stuff. Like It's not the same, but a lot, of, a lot of these songs are derivative. As much as I love New Way Home, not to get into that again, but like, it's... The, the feel of that song is somewhat manufactured. Like, they know what they're doing when they drop uh -huh. all the sound out and they do a very slow build-up to a super rockin' chorus. Yeah. Like, that that's planned. That's not inspiration to me. That's like... Like, let's write a song that's a constant... Exactly. You know, a Which build. is fine. The Beatles did the same thing. I, I heard that Paul and John would wake up and be like, let's write ourselves a swimming pool today. So that, And then they would, you know, write a song that they knew was a hit. But what's even... Uh, I can't remember the name of it right now, but um, and I'll look it up while I talk. But it's a it's another great song. But on All for One, the last song on that album is the same thing. Like it's basically an another uh, it's another you know slow build that ends up super rocking and. It, it's really not that different from New Way Home other than the chord progressions and the lyrics, which I know maybe sounds like it's a big difference, but it's not. Um, so, and I, I I looked, I tried to Google all for one track listing and it came up with all for one, like the R&B group, so I'm not going to find this. Oh. You know what I'm talking about? Foo Fighters record? Yes. One by one? Yeah. Oh, why am I, I've called it all for one more than once yeah, now. yeah. God, I sound like an idiot. Dave, just come on the show. That's though. early like, 2000s. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Dave, come on the show anyway, even yeah, though just, I called it the wrong yeah, thing. Please. Come Actually, back. Come back is <laughs> the name of that song. <laughs> oh, I like that song. Oh, it's I know it's cool, but Dude, what I'm saying riff. is it's basically oh, yeah. the same song as New Way Home. Yeah. So, I don't know. Uh but okay, we're that was a long segment to say we agree that CU is a piece of crap. <laughs> so, okay, now Hidden Gem is a little feature we do. This song, the reason we mentioned the singles earlier is because we cannot pick a single for our Hidden Gem. So the Hidden Gem has to be a song that's not a single and we think is, you know, the best song on the CD that maybe other people don't know. So we might have shown our hand already because our favorite songs are both would both qualify as hidden gems. Is your hidden gem color and shape? Right. Okay. My hidden gems say Johnny Park. Oh, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> which is unfortunate. But we can tell little stories about each of them. Do you have a little story about color and shape? Other? No, you already told yours. Yeah. I have a little story for you. Do you know why the album is called The Color and Shape? I don't, know. Their band manager apparently was, like, shopping with them, and they saw a bowling pin, and he bought a bowling pin, and... This is the direct quote, because he liked the color and shape, 
which the band, for some reason, they were probably high or something, <laughs> but they thought it was hilarious because it was so arbitrary. <laughs> like the color I and shape like of a it, bowling man. pin, so they just thought it was hilarious. So they decided to name the album after that. Uh, hey, Johnny Park. The, the Hey, Johnny Park, if you listen to the lyrics... The, it's kind of nonsensical. Like it doesn't seem to be about anything. And Dave Grohl kind of admits it's about a lot of things. And Hey Johnny, they never say like, Hey Johnny Park. Oh, yeah. It's not in the yeah. song. Hey Johnny Park is a reference to his childhood best friend, this kid who lived across the street from when they were like five to when they were like fifteen years old, and they were like best buddies. Like Dave Grohl is like Johnny Park was like my brother. And I hadn't talked to him since I was like 14 or 15 years old. So I figured if I named the song Hey Johnny Park, like maybe he'd give me a call. That's huh. a true story. That's pretty sweet. No, I don't know if he ever called it. Yeah. But if I was Johnny Park. I don't know if he came on the show, maybe we Right, know. Johnny Park. Like Johnny Park's not famous. So maybe Johnny Park comes on the show. Then we get Dave Grohl on the show. Yeah. Conference call. Johnny Park. Dave Grohl reunited <laughs> on the Wet Bandits podcast. That's right. And then they just, yeah. Oh, my God. Come on the stage later. and Right. Oh, all right. That's our key. We'll do that. <laughs> Get Johnny Park on the phone. <laughs> uh, so uh, we already talked about how See You is Dave Grohl's favorite song. Like, how stupid is that? But I have a couple other, like, cool notes about some of the songs that might be interesting. Um, I'm going to listen. I'm going to play this. I'm going to play two choruses from Up in Arms. All right. So here's the first chorus. Okay, and here's the second one. Okay, while we were listening, Sam brought up how this one starts slow. Like, every song on here starts slow. With a whisper. Except for, except for <laughs> yeah, in like a lamb, out like a lion. Um, <laughs> except for Monkey Wrench and Hey Johnny Park. But uh, that second chorus, he's saying something a little dif different than I Cannot Forget You, Girl. The very last chorus, he says, I Cannot Forget You, Gil, who is the guy, Gil Norton, who's the producer of the album, huh. the guy from the Pixies that I mentioned earlier, which is kind of funny. Like, I appreciate when bands don't take themselves yeah, yeah. too seriously. Yeah. So that's kind of a cool little note, uh, a little, you know, trivia piece for you. And then here's a little clip from Enough Space. So the reason I played that intro there is is because the the whole purpose of this song, the whole reason they wrote it was because Dave Grohl was trying to write a song to open their shows with, and he apparently I think that one would work. It you know when you listen to just yeah. the intro that we played, you're like, oh yeah, like that rocks. And and apparently he was basing it off like some European. I don't know if it was like live concert. It did, I don't think it was live concerts. It was some like other. Uh, entertainment type thing where they like the European version of a mosh pit. Apparently, they don't mosh in England. I don't know, but Why not? I don't know. But apparently, there's a like a specific rhythm to it and a flow, and he uh, felt okay. like this song really matched that. Huh. So that's what he was going for. But we just you just said like, oh yeah, I can totally see that. But think about the verse to that song for a second. I'm gonna let you think about it, and then we're gonna play it. Okay, so, like, that's the verse, which, like, that is the Foo Fighters' M.O., is to do, like, the... So and, that frankly, it's the grunge thing, like, yeah, yeah. soft and quiet, but... Yeah, right. Soft and quiet. I meant soft and loud. But <laughs> my, my problem... I, it's hard for me ar to articulate my problem with the Foo Fighters. I kind of already said it. Like, there's not a lot of empty space. There's not enough space. Yeah. There's not a lot of empty space. Right. There's They hardly ever, like, palm mute... 
which is a guitar. Like when you hear chunky guitars yeah. is the best way to describe it. Everything is like wide open, like loud and full. And I just don't love that. And then when they turn the distortion off, it's like the cleanest guitar tone you can find, which I just want a little grit with it. I, sorry, yeah, some in the air tonight just came on in the bar. And we I had, had to air drum. drum. All right. So, I mean, I don't know. Do you notice that? Do you notice, like, well, I mean, or do you like it? They do have three guitar players. I mean, including Dave Grohl. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, yeah, I just think that's their thing, and I do like it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've just, I hate to hate on the Foo Fighters, but earlier before we were talking, you, we were talking about you shook me all night long, yeah. And you kind of said like. You like it because you feel... Oh, no, no, no. We were talking about You Shook Me All Night Long. It's potentially your least favorite song. Yeah, And right. that's not what I meant to bring up. But if you want to hit us with your least favorite song, I, be, I'll i be honest. I can't think of what my least favorite song would be. But if you want to suggest some for me, hit us up on Twitter, Wet Bandits Band, or the Facebook's same handle or Instagram. But getting back to this point... Um, we were talking about the doors. The doors came oh, on in yeah. here, and you said, you know, I don't think I really love the doors. I think I like them because I feel like I have right, to. Right. That's how I feel about the Foo Fighters. Like, okay. I like them because I feel like I kind of have to. Um, to me, especially this album, even though all for one, just kidding, I know it's one by one. <laughs> one by one, that's my favorite Foo Fighters album. I, I, I like that one. I from what I've heard, people didn't really respond to it I that know. well. But I R liked it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's my favorite one. But this this one's probably my second favorite, and I don't even like it that much. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, it's it's just a whole... Like, I've called it already a little derivative. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that... I just... I know that any old person can listen to a record and say it all sounds the same but i wasn't old when this came out and back then i thought it all sounded the same you know every song is pretty similar um yeah so yeah like you said it's the quiet then the scream right you know but um it and, and i already said this too it doesn't feel punchy to me and i like yeah i like yeah i like a song to like hit you and then ease up and that's not always a volume thing it's a it's a spacing thing and to me this album doesn't have a whole lot of spacing it's a lot of quiet and loud yeah it almost no does break. the opposite right you're describing right yeah. so i don't know i'm i don't love it um i like it i don't love it i would if i had to kill an animal <laughs> for this album i would just kill like a worm I'm not asking you to name an, an animal you would kill for this album. Good, because I love animals. Right, right. And PETA would be after us. <laughs> like, who's the head of PETA? Come on the show, please. Head of PETA? Please. Yeah. So, now the last thing I want to do, you were telling me, we didn't talk about this when you were talking about Nashville, but we want. I want to talk about your new drum. Oh, yeah, yeah. The uh, Ludwig Supraphonic. Supra, like yeah. R before A? Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, uh, Tell us who don't know anything about drums. Why do I want a $600 drum? Dude, the drum is just legendary, you know. Everybody, from what I've heard anyway, it's uh, the most recorded snare drum in history. Yeah? Uh, the who uses it? Beach Boys on Pet Sounds? <laughs> That's a little Portlandia <laughs> joke there. Who uses it is uh, <laughs> John Bonham. Oh, okay. Which is one of my main influences. Well, yeah. he doesn't, like, he's dead. So yeah. Oh, who used it? Used yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Jason Bonham uses it now. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, got to follow in Dad's yeah. footsteps. Yeah. Does anyone else use it? Uh, Dave Grohl. I heard. Oh, sure. It. Yeah. Yeah. Not William Goldsmith, because no. William yeah. Goldsmith used it. Dave would be like, "Hey, I'm <laughs> yeah. gonna overdub that, and then actually just re-record all your parts." Yeah, but that drum, I just saw it, and it was just. Plus, I just wanted to buy something. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the will, the the pull is strong yeah, yeah. to buy something. Okay. So we are going to rate this album on one to five six hundred dollar snare drums. Okay. Okay. So I'm I'll let you go first because I'm not even sure what I'm going to say yet. Dude, this is for four six hundred dollars. Four six hundred dollars snare drums. Holy moly! 
Wow. So you're you would put twenty four hundred dollars worth of snare drums into this album. I put twenty five hundred dollars wow. worth of snare drums. Wow. Okay. Now I'm trying to look at this rating system from a financial standpoint. <laughs> for a six hundred dollar snare drum, like I'm gonna have to put it on consignment for this album. Like I'm gonna have to make small payments because yeah, yeah. I'm not paying six hundred dollars for color and shape. But okay, so from a practical like financial standpoint I would buy like one uh one two thirds I'm trying to do the math one twentieth oh of a snare drum thirty dollars now frankly for an album I don't love that much the fact that I would pay thirty dollars for it kind of mind blowing right right so the reason I, I would pay that much for it is because there's enough like I do think there's an element of history attached to this. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's I, why I would pay, you know, $2,500. <laughs> yeah, $2,500 for that album. So, um, yeah. I, so, clearly, we don't, you know, we're not on the same level of how much we, you know, love it or like it. If, if we were doing, like, a boring old star rating system, this is definitely middle of the road. Like, this is, like, a three-star album for me. It's not terrible. I never listen to this. This is in my CD stack. I never pull it out. Yeah, this might be not exactly four stars, but maybe towards, like, 3.5. Okay. But I just want four snare drums. Right. You, know? you can't buy half a <laughs> snare drum. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. So, this I didn't prep you for this, but like if we were gonna cover one of these in oh. the Wet Bandits, what would you do? What would you want? I to mean, play? are we going for? Uh, Doesn't have to be good for the band. Okay. We can play any sh- stuff we want. Honestly, man, it might be my poor brain. Really? Yeah. I mean, I would love to play the color and the shape, but yeah, that um, I feel like the bi- the band would play my poor brain pretty well. Yeah. I think I'd be a new way home. Oh yeah! Like no, we've talked about that one a lot. Um, so if I wasn't gonna pick uh, New Way Home or obviously Hey Johnny Park, um, and we've covered Monkey Wrench, not particularly well, mm. but we've played Monkey Wrench. Although it was at the beginning of the band's true, life. True, we might be able to pull it off better now. If I wasn't gonna pick one of those, um, I think I might do Up in Arms. Even though I like yeah. My Poor Brain better, what I like about My Poor Brain is a lot of production. You know, we can't recreate. It's hard live to recreate the feedback and recreate right, the, right. the like, reverb that comes with those big snare hits and stuff. Yeah. And I feel like it wouldn't translate quite as well. But Up in Arms is an, a cool song that I think we do do okay with. Yeah, I think but, it sounded pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Well... I think we're out of time. We've done pretty good. We are the only people left in the bar besides the people who work here. I still have There's half a of a large beer left. End of the bar there. Um, oh, yeah, cool. Yeah. Now, I will say, I love signatures. I love Tim. But if you don't specify that you want the small beer here, you get the 22-ounce beer, you get the which is man. cool. But it means that I have a lot of beer left to drink before we leave. So we better get to it. That will do it for today. Next week, we're going to have Brad Kneekamp, who... Last he's not in this position now, but last year he was the hiring guy for the music at the Coldwater Community Picnic, and we played there, and it was an effing blast. So we'll talk to him. We're going to talk about Bush's 16 Stone, which is another sweet album. Follow us at wetbanditsband.com, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Wet Bandits Band. If you're in the Columbus area, we're playing all the time. Uh, you can find us, uh, our tour dates, our tour dates, right, <laughs> our show dates at WebBanditsBand.com under the Shows tab. We usually try to update our Facebook, but to be honest, with so many events to do, it's hard to throw those all up on Facebook. Usually the website is a better bet. Uh, but we will check you out next time. Thank you for listening. We will see you next week with Brad. Out, get wet.
Okay, Sam just dropped a major bomb on me. Tell tell us this Nashville story. You know, speaking of '90s, my buddy Angus was uh, singing "Are You Gonna Go My Way" at the bar, and cool. he brought the three other people that were left in the bar to get on stage, and they were just going crazy. Uh, he took over the bar with his cell phone, was playing through the entire speakers. Wow, that probably sounded great. It did. Yeah, <laughs> we were the bar okay. at that point, and. It just turned into a shit show, man. I gave a girl <laughs> my number. She didn't call me back. Oh. Everything went as planned. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's how you truly get wet. I woke up the next morning. There was a pizza stuck on the back of my back. <laughs> stuck on your back? Yeah. Like a slice? Like a slice, man. Oh, my God. How did you leave that part out? <laughs> Thank God we re-recorded this. <laughs> pizza stuck on your back. All right, and then what did you do? Ate the pizza, man. <laughs> That's a great way to end this.